I just... Why'd I get mixed up with that bitch? Because she got a great ass! And you got your head all the way up it! Jesus. When I think of asses, woman's ass, something comes out of me. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Coming at you live-ish. <laughs> We're in the same room. We're in the same physical room. Yeah. How good. It's weird. It is weird. It's exciting. It's also exciting. It's electric. <laughs> <laughs> I got so excited my headphones fell off. Oh, I hate that. Oh, I'm very excited, Greg. How good is this? It's amazing. Greg's got access to all his buttons over there now. Because <clears throat> let's be honest, I dropped the ball on a few episodes there. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I didn't press any buttons. Hey, we've each got our strengths. Yeah. Yours is many things. Mine is pushing the buttons. <laughs> it's very stupid. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bear, bear with me. Greg's showing his hand. Okay. Just had to re-familiarise myself. They're colour-coded, Tristan. They're not uh, yeah. labelled. The colours are almost irrelevant except the blonde colour means Owen Wilson wow. Wow. The rest are irrelevant. That checks out. Yeah. I'd say, oh, hang on. Keep going. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll have to rein it in a little. Yeah. <laughs> or not. Or not. You've got a lot of the, make it up to do. They love the buttons. Give us more buttons. More buttons, they say. That's all we get in the feedback email. <laughs> <laughs> More buttons. Fellas, I love what you're doing there. But I'm going to need more buttons. I get a hankering. Fellas, I put my, my, my pants on one leg at a time. I don't know what accent I'm doing right now, by the way. Keep going. I'm like Tom Hiddleston over here with my impressions. Oh, His impressions were from this movie, by the way. Greg and I have a running joke where we, well, I have a running joke where I keep sending it to Greg. Tom Hiddleston, <laughs> Tom Hiddleston does the worst impressions of both De Niro and Pacino in this movie where it's like it's like any any person's impression ever where it's just what's the most basic element you could do of a De Niro and he just squints his eyes. And, and lift your eyebrows. Do an upside down frown. It is the most pedestrian. I don't know. Hey, I like this guy, by the way. I like Tom Hiddleston. He seems like a nice fella. I like Loki a little bit. But don't do the impressions, man. Leave the bad impressions to us. Yeah, that's probably, <laughs> that's probably where it is. We have no authority on this topic, Craig. Because <laughs> watch us as we get into our De Niro's and Keep Pacino's going. in this episode. Uh, anyway, oh, yeah. um, so we're doing heat. Hoo-ha! Great ass. Oh, yeah, wrong movie. <laughs> They're all the same. This is the era of yelling Pacino. He used to be quiet and considered a bit of a Moses, like if you will, <laughs> and and then he's just started yelling. Yeah, and then he made Jack and Jill. Did he? He's in that. I haven't seen it. Is he Jack or Jill? He's out, but he's playing himself. What did you want to do last month? <laughs> it's fucking terrible. I take that back. No, that was good. Was it? Yeah, I liked it. Um, so this movie came out in 1995, Tristan. Yeah, that's a good year, mid-90s, same as last week. Same year as the Blue M&Ms, that's right. Same year as Desperado. What's that? 
The movie based the on the song. song? Yeah, I believe uh, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. The live action song recount. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what else happened in 1995, Tristan? What was that? Sticking with uh, the marketing scheme, the marketing world. Oh, yeah. It was the launch of Microsoft 95. Oh, yeah, Windows 95. Windows 95, Microsoft 95. That was Windows like, 95. That felt iconic. That it was, was like huge. a big thing. Like it, that's the kind of thing maybe we are just at the right age too where it was like this feels important but I don't, I don't really understand I why. I get it but yeah. yeah, my dad was talking about it because yeah. it obviously famously had the Stones song, Start Me Up, quite a literal. Oh, it did it. Because that was the first interface that had the start button for Windows. Ah. So wait, so what was before Windows 95? No, like. Was that DOS? No. I feel like there was a, there was a pre-Windows. There was something between Win- DOS and that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Interesting. So that was the first. And the story goes that Bill Gates being the, the literal genius that he is was like, well, there's a start button. There's a Stone song called Start Me Up. Let's police use cops. That. Police yeah. cops. Classic police cops scenario. Yeah, and that's how it started. Uh, Mick Jagger wasn't too keen on it. He apparently asked him in person, and Mick was like, "Yeah, well, you, it's going to cost us." Like, a, there was a there was a big thing at the time about how much it cost. Right. Uh, a lot of speculative numbers thrown out. Apparently, it was actually only three million. Or that's what at least what I interesting read. I read a few numbers today, to be honest, but. <laughs> Three seemed to be the consensus, but at the time, but people it doesn't were seem that big. 50. Three million is not a lot. I th- have the rules changed with this shit? Because I remember, like, getting Stone songs and getting Beatles songs for shit. I remember the narrative being that these things are crazy expensive. Because mm-hmm. there's a Mad Men episode where they do the was it Blue Jay Way or whatever that one is. Turn off your mind, relax, and flow downstream. Whatever song that is. Keep going. They did it on. Um, they used it on Mad Men. Okay. And it was the most expensive episode they made because or something of because of that song. The B-Sides Beatles song. Meanwhile, I'm here watching The Block on Channel 9 and they're just like Got playing. Timmy, Timmy Trumpet. <laughs> they're playing Beatles songs and shit. Are they? And like if, if The Block, a home renovation show in Australia, can get The Beatles, I don't see why Don Draper had to pay so much. Yeah, I, I think there is some, uh, there's some law where it passes a time, of use. a time frame. Uh, maybe they used like the whole song in Mad Men because it was a, it was an important point of the episode. Oh, right, I think. right, right. Like I meant time hippie. frame in terms of time since it's been released. Oh, it becomes maybe. public domain or something. This. Uh, we're not at that point yet, though. Surely not. It's like a hundred years or something, isn't Jimi it? Jimi Hendrix, I think, goes public domain this year, but I think it's only in terms of the 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 written music. I don't think it's his recording. I think still is protected. What it's about, very confusing. What about Michael Winslow doing <laughs> Fuck, that's a good question. It's all very confusing because, like, they also say that technically things like Mickey Mouse or Spider-Man should be public domain right now, but there's all these tricks that they do to, to retain the rights. And there's a lot of arguments made about the world being a better place if they just let these things become public domain. Open source. Like Sherlock Holmes. Like, and, and so anyone can make a Sherlock Holmes movie now. Yeah. What if anyone could make a Spider-Man movie? Well, not that we need more. It's interesting because that's the whole <laughs> that's the whole idea, right? Idea of open like it, with with data sets yeah. uh, in the interweb. And the copyright should only protect you because of the effort you put in to create it so that you can make the profits yeah. initially uh-huh. and then it opens up. Like any patent. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So it doesn't 
it's kind of evil in a way, one could argue. Well, that's corporations. Yeah, <laughs> quotes. Yeah. Corporations. Yeah. No, no, corporations. That's why I put ivermectin on my cereal. You what? I don't know. <laughs> I just felt like we were going in Joe Rogan direction. Ivermectin? I, I just put it into my eyeballs. <laughs> Australia, the... We're, we're all under house arrest here. Yeah, save Tyranny. us. Tyranny, save us. Good Lord, save, save us. Save us, our American friends. Save us. From our beautiful country. Help us. Help us. It's Lisa in the sky. So that was a big thing for, that was a big ad. <laughs> it was big. <laughs> it was big for Microsoft. Microsoft hadn't done much in the way of big scale branding. T- they hadn't done really TV a lot. I don't know if they'd done yeah. a TV before like this. Don't Interesting. And Apple obviously had built that legacy. Do you remember we talked about them kicking off, I think it was like the 84 Super Bowl or something? They had the 1984 ad. Yeah, yeah. Was well, it in that, 1984 or was it just it referencing have, 1984? I think it might have been. Yeah, it's all before our time. Oh, we <laughs> talked about it. But here's the problem with memory. It doesn't always work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if only we had a source of information at our fingertips. <laughs> uh, anywho, so that was this was a big deal for Microsoft. It kind of... Uh, propelled them to where they needed to be in the whole. Well, they were they weren't viewed as software company. I think a lot of people didn't quite realize exactly what they did. There was this it sounds preposterous. It's crazy, right? I remember you used to say things like, "Oh, I've got an IBM compatible." Mm-hmm. That was like the language. Do you remember that? That's so weird. Of course, it's so weird. It is. I had it a, weighs seven kilos. We had one of those early Macs, like literally. There's square things and you could play like the brick game. And oh, like yeah. Tetris. all the apps, it was black and white and it was like instead of colours it was just like different patterns. So like I don't even know how to explain it. I guess it to form different gradients but but you could literally see the patterns they used to make different gradients. It was bizarre. Wow. Yeah. Uh, excuse me for a moment. Wow. But that was a lifetime ago. Mm, big year for technology. It is actually interesting when you when you bring up a memory like that. That came out the same year as a movie like this. One of those things is quite timeless, and the other one feels so outdated. Mm. Um, talking about Windows being outdated, just in case, mm. <laughs> not to show my hand entirely, but some of these things, like I, I started rewatching The Office again, The American Office, and they don't even they've got flip phones and shit. It's like mm. that wasn't. It's not that old. Yeah. <clears throat> so technology is a real factor, isn't it? We don't talk about it too much unless it's like a unless yeah, there's hacking or something. We kind of forgot. Yeah, like it was originally one of our kind of one of our tells. areas of yeah. Does the technology hold up? We've drifted. I mean, most movies, even today, mobile phones would ruin the plot. Yeah, yeah. I so, think we were discussing this, weren't we? Yeah, especially horror movies. So, like, there's always like an opening scene that renders the phone useless somehow. Yeah, because you, you can't make movies anymore if everyone has a phone because yeah. there's no tension. Mm. Oh, I'll just Google it. Or I'll just mm. call that person. Mm. I'll just order or the an police Uber will out of find here. where I am. Yeah, <laughs> by the GPS. Yeah, exactly. That was a big year. Big year for technology. Big year for for desktop. Desktop. Desk-cock? <laughs> desk cock. What's a desk cock? Uh, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Turn your camera off. <laughs> desktop computing. Mm-hmm. Big year for films. I won't go through it all because we did it last year. But you know what came in at number fifteen this year? Heat? Heat.
came out in December. Came out in December 1995. What was 14? Do you know? You got the full list there? Uh, I don't know 14, but number 10 was Jumanji and number 26 was Mortal Kombat. <laughs> okay. And number 74 was Desperado. Of course. And number 89? Sudden Death. Ah, of course. But Heat came out in December 1995, budget of $60 million, a gross of $187.4 million. Uh, I mean, as you can tell by... It's number 15 ranking. It wasn't the biggest movie of the year. A cultural event, perhaps, which we'll mm, get into mm. with, the, with the meeting of the, the two on screen for the first oh, time, or on in the same scene for the yes. first time with the technicality. Yeah, yeah, quite, but, a, um, quite, a, quite a, yeah, it's fair technicality. Yeah, it's fair. I, yeah, definitely fair. Um, well received overall, but I think it was, it wasn't the biggest movie of the year by any means. 15. Top 15. does surprise me a little. Yeah. I thought this would have been a top 10 movie for sure. I thought so too. It's it's very interesting because mm. critic score is still high. It's 87%. Audience score is even higher at 94% on the oh, Rotten right. Tomatoes. Oh, right. the numbers? Significant. Significant. Where's my wow button? Wow. There it is. Yeah. That's wow. Okay. Yeah, go on. Critic consensus, critics consensus, uh, though Al Pacino and Robert De Niro share but a handful of screen minutes together, Heat is an engrossing crime drama that draws compelling performances from its stars and confirms Michael Mann's mastery of the genre. Mm. What genre would you even call this? It's, it's, that was I was about to ask you the same question. It's interesting. It's quite, man, it's quite Michael Mann-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, speaking of personal context... This wasn't a huge movie for me and I'm going to say I've seen it but now having rewatched it, which we'll get into, I realised that I hadn't seen as much of it as I thought. Yeah, okay. Um, But Michael Mann as a whole Mm. is a bit of a gap for me. Mm. Um, Like I've seen Ali, I've seen Last of the Mohicans, but Last of the Mohicans I saw when I was really young. So I don't know. I think these movies I just kind of thought they were a bit too grown up for me when they Uh came out. Yeah. Like there's no Van Damme in there in 95, which is probably what I was looking for. Not enough high kicks. Plenty of shooting, plenty yeah. of violence, but not karate violence. It's the kind of movie that I should have come around to again, you know, mid-20s or something. But I think I've just caught this on TV a few times more than actually sitting down and, and absorbing everything. Mm. So there's a lot to unpack in the rewatch mm. for me. But but what about you, Greg? Uh, yes, Rewatch was going to be big, but I do yeah. have a really clear memory of seeing this for the first time. Oh. Which doesn't happen often, does it? Yeah, like, no. <laughs> where you actually remember the first time. Yeah. Seldom. So, so it's seldom. Well said. I seldom get to say seldom. It's very astute. Hang on, hang on a sec, mate. It's very astute. <laughs> that was a fluke. Yeah, nice. So um, I saw memory. this at the movies. Oh, wow. What? Yeah. As a 13 year old or something. George Street. Whoa. So I checked when it came out. I was 13. That's you're, yeah. it's very astute on you. Yeah, I can't spin my chair around. <laughs> um, pretend Frank Duke said that. So uh, it came out here in February 96. Yeah. Um, summertime down under. Yeah. Daylight saving. So it gets dark here. What is it, like 8 o'clock? Yeah. Um, Probably your first three-hour movie too then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we went into the movies and it was me and the Serbs. So you know right. Milan, yeah. He would have been with us, and yeah. and and two of the other serves, Alex and and them, yeah. Um, and went to the movies, and we picked that movie. I, th- I don't know if we went specifically to see Heat, 
They're just like, let's go to the movies. Like this, yeah, let's go to the movies yeah. and like what's what's on, heat yeah. looks good. It was probably about three o'clock or four o'clock. So it's getting towards the end of the day. Yeah. And whilst it's pretty cool I could go to the movies with my mates at 13 going to the city, there's an expectation that you're home yeah. probably, you know, before the streetlights come on. Yeah. And I, I remember crystal clear vividly walking into the – we've bought our tickets and we're walking up into the cinema and – there was a poster for the movie sort of on the way into the cinema, into oh, the yeah. actual th- specific theatre where it was screening. It was like heat, you know, and had the, you, you know, the, you probably can picture the the image. Yeah. It's got the guys on there. It's got a Michael Mannish bluish hue. Yeah. Heat. And then down the end, it's uh, down the bottom, it says an epic saga. Ooh. And I'm 13. Yeah. I'm like epic saga, epic saga, epic saga. I'm like, guys, Sega? I think that means long. <laughs> I think this is going to be a really long movie. Oh, because you wouldn't even know because nah, yeah, no it's idea. not like no one, there's no social media, there's no, no one's talking about we it. We were going in blind. Yeah. Um, we we knew of, I mean probably we're more interested in Val Kilmer at that stage than anyone else in this movie. Right. Probably, yeah, I'm shit. guessing. Yeah. We knew that those like serious actors were in well, it. William Fickner, that was probably the draw cut. Oh, it had to be. If it wasn't. It is now. If it wasn't, it is. <laughs> Tom Sizemore, you know. Yeah. Hank, name yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I remember like that's where I was like, yeah, I think it means long, guys. And then in there we were like, oh, I was checking my Casio, like <laughs> uh, we're going to be home really late and we're going to be in trouble. <laughs> and sure enough we, we got in some form of trouble for being home at like 7 o'clock. In trouble from the parents or you ran into trouble by being out late. Oh no, just parents. Ah, okay. It was a, it was a safe trip to George Street. Didn't get yeah. rolled. Probably had my money in my socks. So yeah, funny. Whatever. I think I think we talked about this on our very first episode going to George the early days of going without your parents into the city to do something and you're right. There's like you have to be home before it's dark because bad things happen in the city, man. Yeah, you get shanked, I yeah. assume. Yeah, that's that's what we thought basically. And like even catching a train at night, like oh, it's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. But um, I, I didn't see this in the movies. But first three hour movie, for me, I remember because it was mind blowing at the time. Because also you're young, so three hours out of fifteen years is a much higher proportion. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, very, you, it's very astute on your part. It's Tristan warned me pre episode <laughs> that I was going to need to keep warm, my finger on the warm up your astute. He's um, proving that true. I remember I was seeing Apollo 13 and walking in at 3 p.m. and walking out and it's dark. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's like, you know, 1% of my life. And like most of my day. <laughs> yeah. That was mind-blowing to me. Now not so much, of yeah, course. You really got over that experience, the reverse of that when you were clubbing <laughs> yeah, back in the day. Exactly. Can I say clubbing? Is that like a really lame? I think it's lame, isn't it? Probably. When you went to the club. To the club. And then you leave and it's morning time. You're like, oh. Yeah. I don't feel so great all of a sudden. Yeah. It's going to be a long couple of days. <laughs> yeah. Especially now. Now it's a really long couple of days. <laughs> couple of weeks. <laughs> ah. But in, in any case, not a, not a – oh, actually, I said to you earlier in the week, I – my one memory of this movie is not from this movie. Not my one memory, but one of my main memories from this mm. movie is not from this movie. And I'm like, I remember, of course, the iconic scene where, where De Niro is <laughs> lying down – Going down an escalator, hiding from Al Pacino, and then 
not to get into the rewatch, but rewatching, and I was like, I must have missed that. Did that? Did that happen? Yeah. And I've, I was googling today, like trying to figure out what is that from. And it must from, be a deleted scene. That's <laughs> from Carlito's way. Like, it's Al Pacino lying down, and I've watched that like more than and I've some watched other Heat. guy, not yeah, De Niro. No, it's just like, some baddies. You know that famous line from Heat: "Just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in." <laughs> it's one of those man Mandela effect. Am I right? Mind blowing because I've seen Carlito's way a lot more than I've seen this movie, but I still had him confused. Um. But not a big movie for me. Yeah. But it's one of those ones that I was always aware of the importance of it and I think I just kind of thought, yeah, I've seen it. I get it. Mm. I've been looking forward to doing it yeah. because I haven't watched it much. So yeah. it wasn't that big in the sense that I you didn't go back haven't and, seen yeah. it a lot because it's yeah. a three-hour movie, you know. Mm. But I have been looking forward to doing it a lot. And so it's popped up on Netflix. So if you're in Australia, yeah. it's ready to go yeah. uh, on Netty. It's there for you. It's Do there. two sittings if you need to. Yeah, I did two. I did two. Two is yeah. good because you don't want to break this down too much because you're going to lose momentum. Yeah, you need the momentum. Ideally, one sitting would be one great. Would be but good. it's hard to do that not in a cinema. Man, I, I don't get to start a movie really sticking on a weeknight. I can't yeah. start it till like 8.30 by the time yeah, the kids' dinner thing is done. I can't imagine how that would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, my God. <laughs> All right, should I get into the origin story? Yeah. Hang on. Keep going. Oh. <laughs> it was one of them. Origin story. So this one is much richer than I initially thought. Mm, Significantly yeah. so. In every level. Yeah. Good. <laughs> There's the Michael Mann of it all who I didn't know much about. He's a, he's a Chicagoian. Chicagoan? Chicago. Chicago night. And he, he, he grew up in more of a lower middle class immigrant Police kind of area. Scene. Saw some things. Mm-hmm. Saw some things. And um, so he was always kind of tapped into on some level, I don't want to oversell it, but, you know, the underbelly of things. And, you know, there's what's the thing he says, you know, at the, at the laundry there's a, there's a bloody, there's, there's a gambling shop behind it or whatever. You know. yeah. he's, he's aware of these things. Maybe akin to a to a Martin Scorsese growing up in Little Italy in yeah. New York, that that kind of thing, and like a flashback scene from The Departed or something. Yeah, and, and what I'm getting to here is that this is I wouldn't say it's based on a true story, but there's definitely some. It's definitely inspired. I think it is like by a, there's elements. It, yeah, it's, based it's on elevated. a story. Yeah, so history, an event. Yeah, so Neil McCauley is real. Yeah. So De Niro's character is a real guy. Yeah. Um, but this is like in the 60s and 70s kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, He's a heistman. He's a heistman. Yeah. And he, he's been in fucking, uh, what's the famous jail? Folsom. Alcatraz. Oh. He was in Alcatraz. And then he gets transferred to another prison, which I think was in Chicago, and he meets uh, a lawman. I'm forgetting all the titles here. <laughs> named... Chuck Adamson. And Chuck Adamson was... Chuck Adamson? Isn't that just the most made-up American name you've ever <laughs> Maybe heard? Maybe it is. Chuck and, Adamson. Well, and Chuck, oh. Chuck was, a, was a cop guy who wanted to get into doing more writing. And he had a friend who knew a guy named Michael who was a writer who wanted to get into some cop stories. Police cops. Police cops. <laughs> so the two meet and um, they hit it off and, and they go deep, man. They go real deep. Mind you, this is still like 
seventies. Yeah, yeah. This movie comes out in ninety five. This is seventies, and you got Chuck Adamson, who is essentially Al Pacino in this movie, different name, but uh, Al Pacino is playing a version of him. You already know should have changed the name to for the film, Chuck Adamson. Yeah, well, they should have. Adam Chuckson. Sorry, Adam. what's his name? Chuck Adamson. Yeah, sorry, Adam Chuckson. That would have been good. Sorry, you know what he should have changed to? <laughs> I got it wrong. C. Adamson. No, 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 wait, that's too Adam obvious. Adam Chuckson. Chuck A. <laughs> Adam Chuckson. Yeah, that would be good. Chuckson. That would be good. So I got this clip and, and this is the thing, right? So you, for all these things, I always watch the, the making of. Yeah. And usually there's like two nuggets in the whole thing and the rest is just bullshit. Was like, this all nugget? We knew we were doing something special. Like it's all, it's all nugget. So yeah. I've got one clip. I'm going to play one clip and I'm going to avoid the temptation of playing the whole thing. Everyone should watch it. It's on the YouTube yeah, everyone should watch the whole thing. But this was the point where I just suddenly leaned forward watching this thing because usually, like I said, these these things are just usually made 20 years later blowing smoke up their own ass. Um, once it's a success, it's easy to say, yeah, we knew it was something special, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, but this is, this is Chuck talking about Neil and it sounds exactly like Pacino in this movie talking about De Niro. It's kind of mind-blowing. Neil McCauley was 49 years old the day we met, and he had already served 25 years in the penitentiary. Of that 25, eight of it was on Alcatraz, and four years on Alcatraz in isolation, what they called the hole. The the conversation took place almost 40 years ago now. Knowing his background as I did, I'm not going to rehabilitate this man, okay? And I know that going in. So I said to Neil... Why don't you go somewhere else and cause trouble? And he said, I like Chicago. (laughs) It It was just real simple stuff. So I said to Neil, you realize that one day you're going to be taking down a score and I'm going to be there. Then he said, well, look at the other side of the coin. I might have to eliminate you. And I remember the very last thing I said to him was, I'm sure we'll meet again. You know, I just said to myself, I... I wonder where this is going to lead us. Man, he ended up killing him. Yeah, right. Like it, all that shit happened. And it's crazy because I always do this shit after I watch the movie. And watching the movie, I'm like, you know, they have that, they have that conversation. And I'm like, that's the most moviest thing yeah, ever. That's the, yeah. Like obviously that's like it's a little it's indulgent. And they're very, it's an actual conversation. It's an actual conversation. And then, like I said, I wasn't, a, a I didn't even know this was wow. anywhere near a true story. And just seeing that in the first two minutes of the making of, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and then they go into it all and it's just like, okay, shit. Okay, so a lot of this is based on true elements. But but I guess what got Michael Mann was just the dynamics of this relationship and how they go on to talk about how they fully respected each other. The way what Michael Mann picked up on was the way he would talk about this guy in this way of yeah. just like, have you seen this guy? Like he respected him. He's like, that's really smart how I did this thing, right? Like he's giving him props basically. And um, It's not how you normally speak about a perp. (laughs) Well, yeah, and then so he started honing in on that and then kind of getting to this sort of insight of like the old cliche of you're not so different, you and I. Like basically these Uh are almost like the same type of person. They just landed in different fields and they both Uh have this same challenge of like, their their dedication to this job that they do, it 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 doesn't allow them to have a proper personal life. Like they're just like really 
obsessed with it, this thing. Yeah, it's destroying yeah. their broader existence. Yeah. And then that became kind of like the germ of it. And it, like I said, this is all in the 70s, mind you. So decades before this movie came out. So they were probably out. saying it whilst wearing flares. <laughs> yeah, right? Probably. And some moustaches. Uh-huh. Actually, I know their moustaches. You know how I know that? Because one of the co- – so basically he – Michael Mann then started working with this department where where Chuck worked and, and was getting more – he was just interviewing all the cops and getting more inside their heads and just learning more about this type of shit. And one of the cops was Dennis Farina, who's an actor. He's the guy with the moustache that's in um, Snatch. Dennis Farina. Oh, yeah. yeah. Don't go to England. Yeah, exactly. He's in everything. He was a cop until the 80s. He he started his career. Oh, I could see him as a badass yeah, ass cop. As a Chicago cop that was an advisor to Michael Mann on, on this type of shit. Why isn't he in the movie? Yeah, well, he was in the movie that Michael Mann made before this. Yeah, okay. But yeah, I don't know why he wasn't in this. But yeah, isn't that crazy? He was a cop. I had no idea. I've I've seen that guy in a handful of movies, and I never really. I always thought he was kind of cool, but I. Not, I always think like he seemed like an asshole personally. Like he has got like a. He's got a sharpness to him that yeah. I don't think he'd be very nice to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Probably means he's a good guy. <laughs> he's, he's probably nice to the people that matter. Yeah, exactly, not us. <laughs> <laughs> don't go to England. Um, so anyway, Michael Mann's getting inside the heads of all these guys and learning about all the kind of shit you see in this movie and he ends up writing a 180-page script in 1979. And his vision at the time is he'll get someone else to direct it because, again, this is 79. He hasn't really – I don't think he's directed anything yet. And so, of course, he's like, well, I'm not going to – I can't make this. How the fuck would I make this? Um, and then it kind of sat on the shelf for a bit. In the early 80s, he offered it to his mate Walter Hill. He's the guy that did 48 Hours, Okay. Red Heat, others. He passes. The script continues to collect dust. Meanwhile, Michael Mann finds himself as a pretty successful television producer. Okay. Making television shows such as Miami Vice. But he's producing. Producing. He's a suit. He's a suit, but maybe I think with TV it's like. You wear a few hats? <laughs> yeah, like if you're the producer. Well, that, these days I think they call it showrunner and so you're kind of the creative force behind it but you're not necessarily the writer or the director but you're like the. You're the guy. Yeah, right. And they say he's the guy that came up with the aesthetic and everything for Miami Vice. Like it was, it was his thing. And then another sh- that was in 84. And then another show called Crime Story, which then Dennis Farina was in. That was his big okay, uh, big break in 86. And these two things were big shows for NBC apparently. And they wanted another crime show. He's a real Dick Wolf of the era. Mm. They're like, give us another crime show. And he's like, fuck, well, I got this fucking script. What if I rewrote that into a TV show? And so he he reworked that into a 90-minute pilot, that 180-page script into a 90-minute pilot. Uh-huh. He's basically making like The Wire or something at this point. Mm. It's pretty compelling. It became – I didn't know any of this, by the way. I don't know if you were familiar with this. It became a TV – the pilot was called L.A. Takedown. And um, so I suppose at some point it went from Chicago to L.A. like heat. But um, there were a few issues. I mean they shot the whole thing in a few days because it's TV – they stripped out all of the, the, the extra bits. The peripheries. <laughs> yeah, all the peripheries. That make of, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, the network was like, oh, I don't know, can you recast this guy? Can you do this, whatever? And he was just kind of like, no. 
and so then it, it still sat there collecting dust. And and that was in uh what was that? That was late eighties or something. And so th- so that's not happening. Man goes on living his life. He starts making movies. He makes um, Manhunter, which is the first Hannibal Lecter movie before. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, the one that's not, but it is. It's not officially part yeah. of that. You know, it's not. It's it's not Anthony Hopkins. It's Brian Cox. Oh, um, that's yeah. Hannibal. Yeah, makes sense. It makes sense. It makes sense. And then in '92, makes Last of the Mohicans. Big movie. Big movie. Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis, man. My, I actually really want to watch that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> My memory of that film is there was a move. I will find you. Where he does a forward roll with the axe and then throws the axe. Oh, yeah. And then we used to try that. I forgot that until you said it. Yeah. I And I nailed a long range, one of it, at my mate's house. Diving forward roll with a little tomahawk and then pegged it across the garden. Fuck, you're lucky to be a, alive. At a wicket. At a wicket. <laughs> and I got the one wicket. No it's way. probably the coolest thing I've done. Man, and before smartphones. it Just on the cusp and there was oh. footage but it wasn't mainstream enough like to, four pixels. to share it. Yeah. Yeah, you can hear everyone cheer but <laughs> can't really see what happens. <laughs> anyway, lucky to be alive. <laughs> um, but it, it makes, it's a big movie. Huge. Does he win Oscars maybe? But there's got to be. There's got to be. It's got a. It's got a. It's got Daniel Lewis. It won yeah, at least something. Yeah, it's got something. Danny Boy in there. It's, it's winning things. It's a huge success. Did Ennio so, do the? Ennio Morricone do the sound for that? No. That's a. It's a big soundtrack, and I was. That's check. That's the one that everyone listens to. It's a big one, isn't it? It might be Ennio. I think. I don't know the names. Maybe he doesn't do this. Sorry. But, uh, but it is a big one. It is a big one. Sorry. Yeah. It's one of those ones people like to listen to it when they're working and shit. It is. It's not. Anyhow, I retract. I don't retract. I got it wrong. <laughs> you retract. Great film. Great film. And so Michael Mann, I think at the time there was talk of him doing like a, a James Dean picture or something. But uh, instead he's like, fuck. Like a, a biography know? thing? or Yeah, I think so. But but he's got this huge success and I guess he's got more leeway to actually choose what he wants to make. And so he's like, fuck, I'm going to rework the LA Takedown into yeah, something. Yeah, that was my... That was my original jam. Yeah. This is decades later. It's crazy. There's a lesson in persistence here, Tristan. Yeah, man. That was 1992 when when uh, Vasa came out. And so he goes back to one of his draft scripts when everything was in there, all the peripheries. It's a good word. I'm going to keep using that because mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. The periphery makes it. But um, he goes back to an early draft because yeah, all that shit's still in there and he just kind of goes all in and, and it's like, yeah, Let's make the what it yeah. was meant to be, and what it's been in my head this whole time that yeah. hasn't come to life yet. Yeah, and then I think the the final kind of button on it is the De Niro, Pacino thing, which oh, yeah. which a just works for the script, but it also just then makes it a cultural event. Like, makes works for the cell. Yeah, obviously they've been in Godfather two together, but not in the same scenes. Yeah, and they're in, not in the same time time. Yeah. Time and their father and son now, their adversaries. Yeah. Head to head, two of the toughest, you know, screen men. Yeah. Two alphas of all time. Yeah. Who is more alpha? And apparently they're already friends, which which makes sense. And I think it, I always thought it would be weird. Like if we started working together now outside of podcasting, it would be a bit weird. If we like were, I feel like we'd start giggling at a meeting or something. Like, is that the same for actors? 
if they haven't worked together that long and then they start working together. Yeah, I mean, maybe they're. I can't work with Manson. No. <laughs> yeah. No, that would, because it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Manson's hilarious. Sit there like this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, you're basically working with the, the Stallone and Schwarzenegger of good movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a cop, that's all I know how to be. They stole that line of him. Did they? Well, oh, is it ki- in this? it's from Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> And at the sit down, when they're I talking, thought it was, I, was, I thought like, it was funny when Val Kilmer said, "Boys have a penis and girls have a vagina." <laughs> <laughs> I always thought Stallone and and um, Schwarzenegger deserved more of a heat esque moment. Yeah, Instead they had like a prison break movie or something in like mm. ten years ago. Way too late. They needed mm. a mid nineties mega testosterone thing. They probably couldn't do it. Didn't they try to? But neither of them was willing to. Lose. Yeah, they, they were they were too um, so ego. Yeah. Oh my god. Ugh. But anyway, uh, well, instead we have Planet Hollywood. <laughs> they get these people. They put them all down in LA. Shoot shoot thousands of bullets a day. Oh, so, <laughs> so many bullets. Um, they didn't. Yeah. Ratatata. <laughs> bish bash bosh. She goes off movie rap party down at the old. Uh, Probably be at the Viper Room. At the Viper Room. Yeah. Why not down at the Viper Definitely. Room? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Let's play the trailer. Oh, how long's the trailer? Eight minutes. <laughs> He's here. I can feel it. You search for the scent of your prey, and then you hunt them down. That's the only thing you're committed to. That keeps me sharp on the edge where I gotta be. You want to be making moves on the street. Allow nothing to be in your life that you cannot walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you spot the heat around the corner. My life's a disaster zone because I spend all my time chasing guys like you around the block. I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best, trying to stop guys like me. You've been walking through our life dead. All I am is what I'm going after. From the Godfather to Scent of a Woman. What do we got? From Raging Bull to Goodfellas. Soon they got our phones, soon they got our houses, soon they got us. Their performances have created a legacy of landmark films. I want full surveillance. It's 24 hours, round the clock, we never close open seven days a week. Now, for the first time, America's two most electrifying actors collide. This guy, there's more cheap you should pass. The bank is worth the risk. You should take it down. 12.2 million. You're up. This crew is good. Ah! It ain't worth the risks you take. Like in risk versus reward, baby. You're a fugitive number one with a bullet. I'm double the worst trouble you ever had. If I'm there and I gotta put you away, I won't like it. But I'll tell you, you are going down. What if you do got me boxed in? I gotta put you down. Because no matter what, you will not get in my way. I will not hesitate for a second. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer in a Michael Mann film. Heat. It's an interesting trailer, isn't it? 
Like it, it really is honing in on the old uh, De Niro Pacino thing. But at the same time, there's a vibe there that feels consistent with the film. Yeah. There's a vibe. I think the music has something to yeah. do with it and that's part of his – There's something. I he's kind he's of got goosebumps there. I got a, really, yeah. I got a goosebump. <laughs> yeah. Man. All right. Well, yeah, before we get into all our reactions, can you sum up the plot somehow in, in – 30 minutes or less. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'll go, I'll go for 29. Uh, and some of the things will reinforce or repeat mm. what you've alluded to mm. uh, thus far. Yes. So we open on a heist. Yeah. A slick heist, Tristan. It's slick. It is slick. The stick-up crew's interception of an armoured van is calculated and it's meticulous. Yeah. They're shouting various numbers. 60 seconds. 45 yeah. seconds. And yeah. looking very competent with their machine gun handling. They've, yeah. They've done this, this before. This, it's slick and they're skilled. Yeah. There's a ring in, though, on this heist, and he's less slick. Wayne Grow. Yeah. He unnecessarily kills a guard. Very unnecessarily. And this causes a chain reaction of events, resulting in three dead guards. Yeah. And from here, the heat is on. Oh! Imagine <laughs> robbery <laughs> homicide specialist Axel Foley. <laughs> Can you imagine? He comes from Detroit. <laughs> Paired with Rosemount. Rose <laughs> Vincent Hanna. Yes. Steps in to lead the investigation, bringing said heat. And whilst their lives sit on opposite sides of the thin blue line, their behaviours are intertwined. Hannah, a cop, a good guy, yet fails to be a husband, fails to be a father, Mm. consumed by his work, surrounded by the dead. Macaulay, the robber, the bad guy, the murderer. But showing tenderness and love to a woman with a past of hurt. Mm. Now, Heat lays some of the most tired tropes on you that you've ever seen in an action film. Smart but surly cop whose life away from the job is garbage. Great ass. Great ass. One last heist. The double cross, the double double criss cross, reversey cross fake. <laughs> but by going deep, and I mean 190 minutes deep, yeah. into these characters and into their worlds, we're given a level of complexity and detail mm. that allows heat to rive above above these tropes yeah. and we're left with an enthralling, fast-moving three-hour movie. Yeah. Ultimately, it is a love story Ooh. between some men yeah. and their own existences. Yeah. 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 It's very stood on your part. Oh, thanks. How was the rewatch? Oh, man. It was interesting. It was a bit of a roller coaster in terms of it, it took me a while I mean, lucky it goes for a long time too because the movie was still going while I was thinking about it. But like, yeah. like whether I like it or not, I, like I was enjoying it. And so there's an argument to be made that if you enjoy it, you like, like that's enough. But, uh-huh. but, but I, I kept getting caught up on like things like, but I don't really like either of these guys. Who am I rooting for here? Okay. But then I'm like, well, these are obviously all conscious choices. They're all kind of jerks. 
But anyway, the more I've thought about it, even in the days since, the more I like this movie. I just like, like I said with the with my memories of this, it wasn't until the rewatch I realised how little I'd actually yeah. seen of this. Yeah, yeah. And, and even while I'd seen lots of bits of it, just not getting the whole thing, the impact of the whole thing. Yeah. And man, it, fuck, it's something. Isn't it? And I th- maybe it's because Michael Mann's a bit of a gap for me too. So it was it was hitting the palate in like a. It's like I'm trying a new cuisine here or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was some. It was just like different. Yeah. And weird. And so I think some. Not that I had a negative reaction initially, but it just it just made me think about things as I was watching it. Like this is different. What is, what's going on here? This is something I'm not used to eating, <laughs> consuming. Mm. And it was like I think a big part of it was. That that actually, for me at least, I feel like both of these guys are kind of jerks. Um, but you're kind of rooting for them in a way. But like, but ultimately, there's just so. I think it's what you said before. The periphery. There's so much going on. The detail. It's it's like watching two seasons of The Wire in three hours. Yeah. Like it's got all the richness of that. You yeah. got all these. Like if you're going to be harsh or, or, or if it was executed poorly, these might be you might just think of these things as plot points that go nowhere. But the way he's done it yeah. is they feel like it's just adds to the richness of the world. Yeah. Like it feels real. Like like uh, what's her name? The daughter yeah. slitting her wrists. Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman trying to commit suicide. Like Quite late in the piece too, you know. You, you're basically yeah. in the final showdown yeah. almost. Yeah. And surely any other fucking note giver or whatever, like they're, like from the studio, would be like, yeah. just cut that bit. Yeah, what yeah, are you yeah. doing? But it all adds this shit to yeah. it. It all, oh man, it's a rich tapestry. It is, and like, cause, as I say, like it's it's a cop cop first robber yeah setup. But even it's got those little pepperings like like that yeah. moment. But even like some of the longer ones that stretch through the whole film. Well, yeah. I guess that does too. Really, to be fair, but like Wayne Grow. Yeah. You know, like having I this. I kind of forget about him for a while yeah. and then he's back. Again, like watching The Wire, suddenly a character you forgot Pops about from episode in. three is back and you're like, of course. Yeah. And it earns it. And it's uh-huh. like a three-hour movie that needs to be three hours. Sometimes you watch a three-hour movie and you're like, really? Did it, did it really need to be? It's, fu- it's funny you say that because Carol said that exact word. Right. She, well, that exact, asked that exact question. She was like, does it need to be three hours? And like, yes, it does. It does because the 90-minute version was the TV movie, which actually exists now as a movie that you can buy or download somewhere. I haven't seen it. But, yeah, I mean, it, that exists and it's not very good. Well, I think yeah. it's okay. But, yeah, man, the, and it's just all these little moments and all the, I don't even know where to start. Fuck. Well, how, how was it for you? Sounds like you liked it too. I yeah, I liked it right off the bat. So yeah. I hadn't seen it for a while. I knew I liked this film a lot, but I haven't seen it for a number of years, like a lot, maybe I don't know. Oof, let's say 15, 20 years. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um Wait. but straight away I was into it. I think it for me, it, this movie just grabs you straight away because yeah. it opens on the heist. The characters are fascinating straight away. Yeah. Um I like the pace. It does have like he's got a very particular visual style, Michael Mann. It's like kind of sexy. Yeah, but it's, it's not that anyone in it is particularly sexy. Hues. But the vibe is sexy. Ashley Judd is. Yeah, she's sexy. God damn it, Val Kilmer is sexy. God damn it, he's sexy. They're all pretty sexy. Let's be honest. Okay, they're all sexy. I'll take it back. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> so it got. But it's me. not a sexy film, especially the. I don't want to see Al Pacino make it out with um, 
What's the name? Anyone. <laughs> no offence, Mr. Pacino. Maybe maybe Adam Sandler dressed as a woman. <laughs> I think that happens. Two guys passing with their goaties. <laughs> that would have been a director's cut. Goaties oh. were bigger than that is, man. Yeah. That's one of my first notes on this film. Um, but I was I, I should caveat. I came I watched I started watching this after I had a few drinks. I think I'd been out in the afternoon. Oh yeah. And I came home and it was on it was on Netflix as I mentioned and I was like oh, well, that's I, how we chose it. Yeah, I, I was yeah. like <laughs> I want to watch Heat now. We may as well do it. Yeah. So I was like I was watching You were you were frothing. in the zone. It was organically came up versus it feeling like a, I need to a watch duty. Heat. Yeah. So which yeah. was nice. It's a good way to watch. I think interestingly as well, maybe this was one of the things that like what that that startled me at first or like threw me off was that it's ultimately something I like, which I talked about uh, I think a couple of weeks ago oh, on Halloween, was um, it doesn't really explain much. You know, I was saying a few weeks ago that I realised like, oh, what I like about John Carpenter is a lot of the time it doesn't really explain much. It just throws you into these things. <clears throat> and this is the same because yeah, it it's yeah. not like it's a heist movie, but it doesn't have all that bullshit that heist movies have where it's like, all right, guys, here's the plan. Or like, all right, let's get the team together. This is blah, blah, blah. And he's the detonation expert. And like doesn't have all that bullshit. Mm. And um, there's none of that, you son of a bitch I'm in. Uh, boom, baby. You know, there's like, a little bit of that. There's a little bit of it, but it's all, uh, it's definitely less is more. Like you you don't know what their plan is. It you may- just see them do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, there's no, right. yeah. The, yeah, you don't see them go, all right, then we do this and there's a montage. And look, and yeah. yeah. And so you don't actually know what's going on and you're just trying to keep up a little bit, which threw me at first because I wasn't expecting that. And I was like, oh, I've got to lean forward on this one. And I think mm. at that point I actually stopped taking notes for a little while too. I was like, because yeah. sometimes that can be distracting. Definitely. And I was like, no, I've got to be in this. I've got to be gotta in this. you got to let it wash over. Yeah. And I don't want to miss anything. It's a good heist team. Yeah. And, and it – and exactly, and it's kind of left up to you and you're like, oh, I guess Val Kilmer's the, the, the shooter and there's, you know, oh, and Danny Trejo's the driver, I guess. I'd have these guys as my team. Yeah. I'd like Tom Sizemore in my team. Man, Sizemore, I, I think I've overlooked this guy. Yeah. I, he's always been there, <laughs> but I've never really, like, paid any attention to him whatsoever. Well, he, what have we done that we've only pretty much done Point Break and he's… Is he in that? He's in that oh, for two seconds. Of the jerk he's, cops. he's the undercover guy when they go to War Childs. That's right. When they raid the place thinking it's Relax, War Child, seriously. Yeah. You think I that. like this hair? <laughs> That's right. Fuck, I forgot that was him. Yeah, he's one of those actors that I know he's he's of significance, but for me personally, I think we I might have missed the era yeah. initially. Yeah. But um sorry. But I liked him in Don't this. Know. I liked yeah. him a lot. Me I mean too. everyone is we'll everyone, get into cast in yeah. a minute, but um so it's 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 kind of an anti heist film in a way, which which I kind of liked. Yeah, that's nice. Um, the anti heist. I, I think um, not to hop on about this because we kind of just talked about it, but I think there's like it's a little bit like the the Natalie Portman thing, but also the Dennis Haysbert thing, the guy that was working in the kitchen and then became the driver and then died instantly. It's like yeah, they invest all this upfront in his story just for him to die. But I think all of the deaths in this movie hit hard, but they happen so randomly yeah. and like it's it's kind of Paul, real. Paul Verhoeven says when like people question why his films are so or why the 
why the deaths are so graphic. And it's like, well, death, death is graphic. His graphic is terrible. It should disturb you. It's not good. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's like that in this as well. Yeah. It's like, fuck, that's fucked up, man. That's fucked up. Yeah. And again, I think initially my knee jerk reaction was like, fuck, that's fucked up. I don't know. But then I'm like, no, he wants me to feel this. This is, yeah. he's doing this to me. Yeah, he gave us that nugget of backstory. Yeah. So it did suck when he sort of dies silently. You're the like, wheel. oh, this is building up to something. No, it's not. He's dead. He's not a hero. He's barely in he, it. He yeah. Just, yeah. And it just shows the, um, again, it just lives into, I can imagine half of these things, half of these plot points are anecdotes from the cops he spoke to. I'm yeah, well, sure. It's, but, um, it's, sorry, go on. Well, it's just that it, because I look at Robert De Niro's character in this and I'm like, oh, he's, he's just a dick though. <laughs> but there's something about the way he shows that they're just, it's their job. Yeah. The way they look at it is this is just the job. It's brutal, but this is what I signed up for and I'm fucking good at my job and I'm going to do a good job. Mm. And, yeah, if the loose cannon kills one, then if I'm going to do a good job, we've got to kill the other two because it's just efficient. Like it's so brutal but technically probably the right thing to do from his point of view. Yeah, I think the second guy pulled his gun, the third yeah. guy. It's like, why would you leave one? Yeah. It's just going to be a loose end. Like, but it's yeah. fucked up. You don't want to do it. Yeah. But it's sort of they, by, I think by having Wayne grow in there, they sort of gave you a, a compass on what pure evil was. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. So that for the rest of the bad guys, yeah, you're grappling with whether they're bad or not. And it's of. like it gives you, it starts to give a bit of a compass to, that's what pure evil looks like. Whereas De Niro and Pacino are more just, they're the same, just in different fields. <laughs> yeah, and not everyone that's a criminal is a bad person. But then Sizemore grabs a kid when he's on the run. So it's just like. Yeah, and they did. They did. I mean, they're killing people. They're killing a few, and then, quite a few people. And at even that point. Pacino, man, they're, all, they're firing machine guns in the fucking middle of the city. And Pacino's just like, yeah, duck. And if they're shooting at you, all these people are dying, man. Listen, I got, I got a point. <laughs> the one I took one note in this movie yeah. because of the same reason I was trying to watch the movie. Yeah, I got to say, people, you got, uh, you, you got to look out for yourself. Yeah, and if there is um, cops and robbers who are heavily armed with automatic weapons, yeah, maybe just don't run in every direction. Yeah, maybe just hit the deck. And don't stand in front of a grocery store like because that looks great when it gets shot up. <laughs> and that's Fruit the thing explodes. I think as well. It's like um, this is what I was getting at with. Well, it's 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 based on a true story in some sense, and a lot of these scenarios happened in some sense. They've sort of been transposed into a more cinematic thing. So I yeah. don't think they were robbing banks like that bank. They were like rubbing grocery stores and shit. Or, you know, it wasn't maybe as glamorous. Grandiose. As their, yeah. I think one of one of the real life criminals, I think was being interviewed, at least he looked like one, was being interviewed in the making of and he's like, yeah, heists like that don't happen too often. Like if you've got enough money to set up a heist like that, you don't need, you don't need to score. Like you've, yeah, right. you've got enough money. <laughs> Interesting. But a lot of it's true. I got a little... Uh, some of from the uh, from the old Wikipedia here. Oh yeah, some of the so basically, I mean, basically all of the key elements. There's some truth to them. They've just kind of adapted them. Yeah. So I mentioned the one where they had that dialogue of like, you know, if you box me, and I'm going to kill you. Uh huh. Um, there was a whole thing. So the the scene where De Niro calls the whole thing off when yeah. he feels like that that happened. They walk. 
that exact thing happened. Um, they did meet for coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah, the next time the two met, guns were drawn. And he did kill him. Like Chuck, the Pacino equivalent. Wow. Did kill him. Like so the the main beats, I suppose, are legit. It's fucking crazy. Isn't it? I also heard that it's a true story because this is obviously connected as a prequel to Anaconda. Yeah, obviously. It's a true story that John Voigt's character fled LA, moved to the Amazon. Yeah, and he didn't do any dialect classes on the way. No, I think he got bitten by a spider and kind of (laughs) lost his some of his motor function. Yeah. Pretty bird. (laughs) Baby bird. Baby bird. Yeah, so that's that's fascinating. Yeah. I like that there's those true elements. He obviously heightened them, but not to the the levels of like a Tarantino film or something. Like it's not Reservoir Dogs or something. It still feels realistic. There's like a there's a realness to it all, even though like we're saying, like, would you really be shooting openly in front of a grocery store and all that? But you don't care. It's like whatever. I'm in now. You know, it's funny. You know, I've I've recently discovered that I can connect my wireless headphones. Oh yeah. To my TV. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. And this movie, it's one of those classic loudy softies. It is big time. Yeah, and that shootout scene you're referring to, which is, it's a good like how long is it? Ten minutes at yeah. least of when they hit the big bank and it's the big heist and they just rat da 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 for ten minutes with. And they really did that on the streets with blanks, obviously. Yeah. They could only do it on weekends. They shut down the streets and they, they literally are shooting like thousands of bullets each time. And it's all orchestrated like it's like it's like it's fucking choreographed, like it's dance or something. Mm. And it's it's wild. It's loud. <laughs> and, and it's I'm loud. Glad I, I'm glad I had my headphones and yeah. I could watch it and so I, as the kids went I down. get the sense that it, it is as loud as it sounds. Like if you were there... It's that loud. I actually thought to myself, I wonder if, I didn't mean the actors, I'm, I wondered if in these high situations, like if you're in a, like guns are really loud. Yeah. If you're in a car, in a car yeah. and you know you're going to be shooting out of that car. And they're just kind of shooting like. Would you not, I don't know, maybe it's a bad idea. Yeah. Um, it's a question. <laughs> would you put earplugs in? Yeah, I wonder. It's a good question. I don't know. If there's any heistmen or women out there, let us know. That's very inclusive of you. Thank you. Well, you can't these days. Heist people. Heist people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's fascinating. And um, what were we saying? All right. Should I go into a couple other? I've got a whole list of things I like about this movie basically. This thing thing might be getting to the top ten at this point for me. Keep going. I'm so glad to hear that because you did – but once I finished watching it, I didn't think this. It's you the more a, I reflected, reflected on it. on it because yeah. you made a couple of comments. We, we we go back and forth a little bit sometimes. I try not to give it away, but we, yeah, I, sometimes we, I can't help myself. Yeah, yeah. we kind of want to share things on the, on, the, on the messenger there. Yeah. Uh, and I was getting a sense, well, really clearly that you didn't like this as much as I did. Right. I, and I was like, oh, that's – I was like, I'm interested to hear why because I this movie is – I don't know what you couldn't like about it. Yeah, and I think it's more where I was before in terms of like, I guess it does. It just does things it quite differently. To wash over you. Yeah, and I think some of my knee jerk reaction to some of these things. What were they? Where it's like I I don't like either of these guys. Yeah. 
but then once I start to go, well, maybe that's kind of the point. I'm like, okay, I'm It's quite Carol of you. <laughs> Is it? Well, I think, yeah, she gets a bit annoyed if she doesn't like but then the more oh, but I she un- likes succession, so but yeah, no, and then but then the more I unpack it, I'm like, well, that's actually fucking genius. How did he do that? Because also these these two guys, they're both the protagonist and the antagonist. At the there, same there's time. no main character. They're both equally the main character. Like you could imagine a version of this movie where Pacino is the main character mm-hmm. and De Niro is the bad guy. You could imagine a version of this movie where De Niro is the main character and Pacino is the the guy that gets in the way of the highest whatever police cop. But they're so police copped up. Cons, police, oh, police cons. cons. Oh, I see you did there. Yeah, police crims. Yeah, incarcerate cops. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe pushing it, but <laughs> <laughs> but that's this. There's parallel things happening. Yeah, it's like two movies merged or something. And then you start, and then I, just the more I think about it, I'm just like, fuck. I guess upon <laughs> reflection, more more things are just bubbling to the surface. Where I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty fucking. Mad. <laughs> Do you think there's so, so like the trailer made it more evident, yeah, or highlighted it that at the time it was really this Pacino, yeah, De Niro vehicle, yeah, where in actual fact, yes, that's amazing, yeah, and that has I think we can talk about that more. It has for me stood the test of time. That's still yeah. so dynamic, but. Yeah. There's so much going on and the cast is Man. so deep that so it doesn't deep. need those two. Well, okay. I know, I know I know what you mean. Like it's it's a great big part of it, but there's a lot of other amazing performances happening all around the Exactly, because I've had this train of thought when I'm thinking of who's my MVP because I'm like, obviously those guys are good. And obviously I guess you don't have this movie without them, but man, even Fickner it's not even at that much, but he's so good. He's so good. The way he delivered, because also you got these two guys, especially Pacino. He's like over here doing some crazy, like oh, great ass. Mm. He, like he's on this heightened level of doing some kind of modern Shakespearean thing, not really human. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you got a Fickner who he just does it so natural. The way he's, I can't remember the exact line, but when De Niro finally gets to him and he's like. What the fuck are you talking about? He's like, how would I know? Yeah, and it's, it just comes – or even when they're on the phone, he's like, wait, uh, what do you mean? I, again, I can't remember the line exactly, but it's so – you don't get the, oh, I'm acting here. Yeah. It's not showy at all. Yeah. It's just, man, that guy, fuck. And second week in a row with Danny Trejo, who – how good is it to see Trejo with these guys? Oh, and what about when – like how good is his – When he's dying. Dying. Like, yeah, man. And they're like – how have we been done here? They're like, it's got to be, what's his, his Trejo. Yeah, yeah. Got, his name's Trejo in the film. Yeah, that's right. He's like, it had to be Trejo, who was, he's the only guy that wasn't there. So he yeah. goes to his house and he's dead on the ground, like dying, yeah. you know, last sort of breath sort of material. And De Niro bursts in thinking that he's been double-crossed by him, but he hasn't. Yeah. He's just got, Wangro got him. Yeah. And he's dying on the ground and his face is so messed up. You think he's already dead. He's basically... Yeah. Just getting a few words out, and he asked about his girl. Oh, he's, uh, oh, she's it's epic, and he wasn't a big part of the film. Yeah, but, but yet, another one of these. But his death little, scene oh. is like elevated to this massive. Yeah, you know, it was a punchy scene, and Man, yeah, you hadn't. Have we met his wife? No, but it still hits you. It hits you because she's dead. Do and, it, and he asked about her. And I oh. think that's a part too, and it's just. It's so it's all this attention to detail too. Oh, it's so it's, good. It's so intricate. All these little things just add up to this big thing. It's yeah. 
fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's almost the, the De Niro Pacino bit, whilst such an important part of the film, almost detracts yeah. from the bigger picture of yeah. all these amazing pieces and performances. And then together. Kilmer, he's so quiet and like intriguing. Yeah. Judd. She's epic. That's her, like her first movie, basically. Is it? Yeah, she's she. She's I look, electric. Her other credits before this are like waitress or like just not is it? things. She is so like I kind of put it down as my MVP because I'm like what De Niro and whatever. I I just think of that moment when her and um, uh, Kilmer at the end when she's being set up and she just does the, does hand the little hand thing. wave like it's it, it hits so hard and he's got that smile from that face that's yeah just come back from nearly death yeah and then he realizes that he can't be there it does hits, he get away he gets away yeah he's he? the only survivor yeah, really well, yeah yeah and it hits so hard that that's one of those scenes like that's up there with any moment in the wire or something like, like you think isn't because it because it's all all these little things that you weren't really that conscious of have added up to this. Yeah. And then you just like, oh, it just, ah. And then she does it so, ah. I don't even yeah. know how to articulate it. And you think she's double-crossing him and you think she doesn't really care. Yeah. There's but just then, so much in there. Each of these each of these characters could have their own movie basically. So I want a question for you. Yes. With all we've just discussed in mind, do you think a lot of these cast members came on and it's probably a bit of column A, column B. Do you yeah. think they came on because they're like it's Pacino and De Niro, assuming they were cast first? Ah, that's a good question. And they were like, well, I'll be like John Voight, for instance. Oh, yeah, I'll take that role because I want to be in that. I or, think part of it or is. Or do you think they were like, I really like that role? I think Michael Mann. That character. It's got a bit of a thing going at this point. Yeah, okay. Um, so it's the sum of the parts. But then I think those guys do definitely have a factor. Because I did see, I was watching an interview, some kind of Academy Awards related thing. And um, first it was just um, De Niro and Pacino and Michael Mann being interviewed by Christopher Nolan. And, and, but then the rest of the cast came up. And Mike Kelty. How big was the stage? It was huge. Well, not everyone, but a lot of people. But Mike Kelty Williamson uh, came on. We know him from. Um, uh, Forrest Gump. It was Bubba. Yeah, he was in this movie. He was one of the cops. Oh, a bunch of the cops. Yeah. There's a bunch of cops that washed there's, over me that I saw. There's a Native American guy. Um, yeah. Um, what's his Buffalo name? Buffalo Bill. West Studi. I think that was West Studi. Yeah, Buffalo oh, Bill. Oh, that, yeah, that's who that was. I, I was like, his... fuck, I know that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, continue. Anyway, my Kelty Williamson, he says in this interview – you know, how was it working with these guys? And he's like, man, actually they had already cast my role. Uh, no, he, he goes, I was, I, what was I doing? I was fishing. For I, shrimp? I just bought some ghost shrimp, funnily enough. That was his little joke for the thing. Yeah. And I'm fishing and I get a call from a manager and it's say, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro want to talk to you. It's like, what the fuck? And basically they're like, man, that's bullshit. You didn't get an Oscar nomination for Forrest Gump. Come do this movie with us. Wow. Yeah. And that role had already been cast and Pacino organised with Michael Mann to pay that guy off and let him go so Mike Kelty could come in. <laughs> I don't know how to say his name properly though because when they introduced him it sounded like they were saying Michael T. Williamson. But his name is Michael T. Michael T. I don't know. But um, Let's get him on. And he's one of those guys because he was in Con Air as well. Yeah. He's been there, man, and he's always good. 
He's been in some tough situations. I think Bubba fucked him. Too much Bubba. One of those ones. Yeah. It's one of those ones where they don't. Unless. Yeah. Wow. He did have. Fucked him, but did he get, does he still get royalties? I don't know if it works like that for the For the the product? For the shrimp? The shrimp of Bubba Gump. Chris Manson, if you get a New York, he'll tell you there's only one place to go, Times Square. Bubba Gump shrimp, Shrimp. Times Square. That's a real Michael Scott recommendation, isn't it? The office. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta go. (laughs) If you're in New York. It's a little place, it's called Times Square. It's really buzzing. It's pretty popular. There's a place within there. (laughs) Ah, jeez. But speaking of all these character actors in there, Uh it really got me thinking because, you know, I'm a big Willie Fickner fan now. Oh, yeah. Since since we did Go. (laughs) And he's he's so fucking good. I'm glad I remember his name finally. Yeah, me too. I remember the fixed name. There's too many in this movie to remember all the names, but but there's just so, ah, they're so good. And... I was thinking because I've started referring to these people as the other guys and that kind of thing. There's so many other guys that they're that guys and they're never the main guy but they're the other guys. And then I was literally thinking of the film The Other Guys and, you know, you know that movie The Other Guys and it's Will Ferrell and… Desk Pop. (laughs) What? Desk Pop. Oh, yeah. You got to live off your… You gotta fire your gun at your desk. It's called desk pop. Yeah, and the premise of the whole movie <laughs> and the way they set it up, which is genius, obviously, is that the Rock and Samuel L. Jackson are the like rock star cops. The usual, yeah. That are almost the stars of the movie. Yeah. And then they die until they decide to jump off. And then there's like <laughs> they jump off the building yeah. <laughs> thinking they're gonna make it, and then they die. And then there's like record scratch. We're talking about the other guys, but what if they actually cast the other guys as other guys? You know what I mean? Like what if instead of Mark Wahlberg, it was William Fickner? Keep going. And what if instead of Will Ferrell was Tobolowski? Oh. You know, that would be like actually cast other guy other actors. Guys. Like how many times has Fickner played the other cop? Man, Yeah. let him be the other guy. That I just, it probably wouldn't have done as well at the box office, so I get it. It would have done well in but our But conceptually, hearts. that's the way to do it. That would just be so beautiful. My heart and my soul, Lillian. Mm. Beautiful. Lillian. <laughs> Cannot use the phone. <laughs> um, I just, I, yeah, this movie really made me fall in love once again with all the other guys. Yeah. There's just so many of them and they're so good. And I wonder, yeah, I, again, I wonder how the cast came together. Like how, because Michael Mann, well, okay, well, you've told us part of it. Yeah. You know, you've got you've got Al pulling in actors that he thinks are. Yeah. So just seems to be the perfect storm of all the perfect other guys in one movie. Yeah. Because we've got Hank Azaria in here, Yeah, Tristan. Hank Azaria. Oh, fuck Hank God. Azaria. Yeah. One of our absolute favourite humans. Yeah. Is in this film in a serious sort of role as this kind of jerk-off guy that's banging Val Kilmer's wife. Hey, well played though. <laughs> <laughs> he's an asshole. Was he a cop? I can't remember. No, what he's like a... What was his Traveling deal? salesman or something. But he was it? like in the end when, when Judd was being like a snitch or whatever, he was just treating her like shit. Or, yeah, I think because he, he was just, just an asshole. Okay. He was like, I shouldn't have got hooked up with this girl. Now I'm. So he, he uh, had a prior yeah. for like smuggling uh, something. Like, it wasn't uh, even drugs. It was just, I don't know. Kinder surprises into the yeah. US. And so then They're they said, You're, we've got you pinned. We're going to go after you on that if you don't bring her in and take down the crew. So that's why he was angry at her because he's like, I'm right. just banging this 
nobody chick and now I'm here. Like, man, it's actually Ashley Judd. It's probably worth it. <laughs> Ashley Judd's great. Oh. There's, I'm surprised this is our first Judd because she kind of owned the era. When they're like, the era of my heart. Weren't there like 20 movies that were basically Judman, Double man. Jeopardy? Yeah. I'm a Juddman. A oh, big Juddman. Double yeah. Jeopardy. Now those in Australia know this. was on every well. week pretty It much. was just the, <laughs> it was it's the Saturday night movie. Yeah. Uh, oh, it, it felt like every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was comical. It was, man. I hope she got those sweet royalties. I think she would. She'd be getting those checks. Surely. Surely. Oh, a couple other moments. I mentioned the Judd Kilmer one. But this movie has a lot of moments, man. Yeah. The moment where De Niro cottons on to the fact that he's being watched and they mm-hmm. do like the yeah. ghost face looking at each other thing. Each of these ones hits so hard. And I mentioned, yeah, when the, the driver gets killed after – almost being built up as a really significant yeah. <laughs> player. Um, but there's just a lot. And, and then I guess um, Natalie Portman killing herself. The wife trying to kill herself. The, the wife? wife who I thought was um, who I thought was Demi Moore for the first five minutes. She's amazing. Her lines in this are like poetry. Yeah. I, I wish I didn't write any down. but Diane she, Venora. The way she refers to... You know, when she's so they're back, they're, their marriage is breaking down, she's she sleeps with another guy and he's just over the house. When 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 Pacino comes home, right? What's his name? Can't remember. Randy or something. Anyway. This is the thing too, because because again, like having seen this air quotes as a child, I realize I've just seen bits of it. I haven't, yeah. I haven't really watched it all. There's still parts that I I just I just urgently want to watch it again. Because I feel like I, there's all these things that I just so want to pick up on. on. So much, so much going on. Yeah, she has her dialogue is I think probably the best in the from the characters. Right, it's like the best. She, like the way she refers to him and his job and how he behaves with the family versus his job is it's like poetry. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh damn, I, I'm I'm only half selling it without repeating some, but yeah, yeah, she just refers to the way he's spending time with the dead and all this. It's just it's awesome. It's so good. All of the dialogue's pretty bloody good too, isn't it? It is. And it's funny because um, it is. It's super sharp. I mentioned that interview thing I was watching, and Christopher Nolan was was hosting it, and he's a big fan of this movie. Mm. And um, like the opening to Dark Knight is, a, ruin this. is a homage to this. Oh, it's okay. even got William Figner in it. The bank robbery with all the jokers and stuff. Oh. And um, yeah, and Willie Figner's the guy. That's that, he's even acknowledged that that's literally like having Willie Figner there is part of the. Oh, well, I give him a little... I respect I that. I tip my hat. But it's funny because half the things I said I like about this are pretty anti-Nolan in a lot of ways. Like, There's no exposition. Correct. There's no like just monologues of spewing out, explaining what's happening. Visually. Um, but visually perhaps, yeah. The, it's got a similar vibe, doesn't yeah. it? It's got that um, dark but well-lit sort of... Yeah. I don't know. I'm probably not going to now explain that. Yeah, but the technical aspects we didn't do so well on. But we yeah. know how it made us feel. Yeah. <laughs> made us feel. We're a couple of guys. We're a couple of guys here, you know. We know nothing, Tristan. <laughs> but from that interview, another couple of other little nuggets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one being that Christopher Nolan, God bless him, said something like, so uh, Los Angeles was a bit of a main character in this film. <laughs> <laughs> I nearly spat out my beer. It's very astute on your part. And the other one, what was the other one? Oh, the other one was 
Pacino, and I feel like this may be a revisionist history because he, the way he said it was interesting because he was, um, he was asked about his performance and like what was your, what was your inner, you know, motivation, whatever, and he's like, well, I feel like uh, me and Mike talked about this, but the thing with my character is he also chipped cocaine. <laughs> yeah. So he, he, I heard that he was performing this character as a coked up guy. Which yeah. kind of makes sense. It does. Those it does. outbursts and the wide eyes at times. But then the question becomes, is, was every character since also coked up that he played? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, excuse me. Which is what makes me think, like, did he just make this up in like post? But then also actually I think Mike, Mike Kelty Williamson said it's too, but apparently Michael Mann does give them really rich backstories to work with. Mm. Like almost every character has this really rich backstory. So, yeah, maybe it's a real thing. I wouldn't. It makes sense. It's consistent with the character. I could see that happening. It was definitely, yeah, I think it was. And the behaviour, it all, it all adds up. It all makes sense. Hey, what about, um, what about De Niro in this? I, He's very low-key. And, and intimidating. Yeah. So I'd almost forgotten. Actually, that's a good point, yeah. I'd forgotten <laughs> what intimidating De Niro was, and that's his yeah. bread and butter, right? That's what he built his career on. He's done so much shit since. It's it's really diluted. Yeah, like or even reframed. Yeah, yeah. So watching this, like he was man, he was intimidating. This I think less is more, very much. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's outright crazy in Cape Fear, and he's you know formidable boxer, and yeah, raging bull. You know, he's a bit and you know he's a Killer Don Corleone, young Don Corleone. Yeah. Plenty of roles where he's a badass. Yeah. There was some, there was something, yeah, low-key in this movie that just, I just thought he was super intimidating and just nailed it. Nailed it. And the way, the way, if you remember when we did Die Hard and we're joking about how, okay, if, um, if, uh, what's his name? If Hans Gruber... Got the money and is on like beach. on a beach collecting 20%. Uh, is who actually, else was on the beach with him? Yeah, exactly. So there's like sitting there, I have a pina colada, extra creamy. Like is he, I can't imagine this guy having a good time. But then when you look at this Hans Gruber type here, what I like about how they, they show this type of character, a Hans Gruber type, kind of broad strokes, is that he wouldn't, he, he, he had an opportunity to go with his new girlfriend and collect 20% or whatever the fuck and he didn't. And I yep. think, and it made me reframe how I thought about like a Hans Gruber type in that he's probably the same and he would just want to keep doing it because the action is the juice. You know, that's what Sizemore says. Yeah. It's it's not so much about the money. He's got no furniture in his fucking house. Yeah. So it's not like he's buying all these fancy things. The action is the juice for this guy. And it's interesting because I think a lot of the movies we've done, I've always had this, this uh, issue with the villains well, I don't really understand their motivation because, yeah, you've got the Groobers and you're like, what's he going to do with this money? Mm. And in this one frames it up in a way where it's not about the money at all. He at had his all. out. He had his he, out. Yeah, he but he's had like, his I've out. got to go and kill that guy. Yeah. He- that was the real, I think that was like one of the moments that really made me go, oh, okay, yeah, I do like this movie. This mm. is something. <laughs> this mm. is something. That was a big part for me. You know, Rain, Wayne Grove actually went to jail. The, the, the actor, oh, really? I don't know his name. And apparently in jail, everyone just called him Wayne Grove. <laughs> <laughs> he did like a five-year stretch or something, and 
the whole time he was Dwayne Grubb. That's so funny. Yeah. I was trying to find his name. That's so funny. Yeah. That's that's kind of cool though. At least you got some kind of cool rap going in there. True, but I mean. Although he was a Nazi. Man, even the way he killed the prostitute, like again, it feels like a, like just an added bit that you, you know, oh, one the, person might say you don't need. Reaper chat. That's Ugh. fucked up, man. Really unsettling. So unsettling. And again, as it should be, as Verhoeven would say, of course it's, it's murder. It's yeah, fucked up. Yeah, he's about to kill a child prostitute. It's supposed to be unsettling. You're not supposed to laugh. It's fucked up. Hey, um, talk to me about the coffee shop scene. We touched on it at the mm. beginning. Well, it's funny because in watching it, I, I, I wouldn't say I was dismissive of it. I thought it was important character-wise that, that whole thing about you, well, you know, I wouldn't hesitate. I'll have to kill you. That yeah. kind of thing. I, I got it from a character point of view, but I was like, you know, this is a very movie thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So the, so hearing, so it was a bit for you hearing what you later heard about it being a real conversation. Yeah, I was like, oh, fuck, okay, shit, this yeah. is different. Because, I, yeah, I almost dismissed it as like, oh, here we go. This is the scene. This, yeah, exactly. It was almost a bit. Um, Indulgent. Yeah. But it's not. <laughs> Fuck. Mm. And it was good. Apparently they didn't rehearse it either. Yeah. They said, uh, I can't remember, there was some banter. Like, oh, we do generally like to rehearse, but on this one we thought, you know what, let's just do it. I think that was a nice bit for me because, yes, it was definitely a big deal at the time, probably overhyped. Mm. But, you know, watching it however many years later, 25. Yeah. Um, more. More. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Um, there's a nice sort of life imitating art, imitating art yeah. thing happening because it's they're just a couple of actors and they're like talking about, well, this is just what we do, right? Yeah, and they're acting together. They're acting. You're like, yeah. well, whatever. We're just, this is it. Yeah. I'm an actor. Uh, you're an actor. We're acting here. That's kind of, that's almost a sub You could interpret what they were saying yeah. to be that. And it's funny because I double checked and you know how I like to uh, make box sets or trilogies of things. Uh-huh. And these guys almost had a perfect trilogy of being in movies together, but they did one other movie. Because <laughs> obviously they did Godfather 2. But what was it? What was it called? Jack and Jill 2. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, no, it's the boxing one. Is it? Yeah, Righteous something. Oh, okay. No, no, no that's, that's, that's with Stallone. Oh, okay. Uh, Righteous Kill. So they did the Godfather 2, this, Righteous Kill, which was in the mid-2000s, like 18% Rotten Tomatoes, and The Irishman. But imagine if all they did was Godfather 2, Heat, and The Irishman. That's like like if your grandkids ask you, who are Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, you show them those three movies and then you go, oh, Mm. that's special. Don't show them Righteous Kill. (laughs) Well, if I was being honest, I... I probably wouldn't show them Irish. Really? I liked it. Although I'll, I don't know if I liked Pacino that much. I'll watch that. it again, but at the time I struggled with some of the CGI. Oh, that stuff was bad, yeah. And watching a meant-to-be-not-old. The kick-in guy, the kick-in bit. Yeah. When How De- can you be editing that scene and being like, yeah, let's keep That'll it? That'll do. When like, De Niro beats the guy up out the front of the store and he looks. Like an old He looks man. like he's in high heels. He can barely keep his balance and he looks old as yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Trying to beat someone up and it's like, oh, it didn't look good. Yeah, and that shit's bad. But overall, you know. I liked it. Yeah, yeah, I'll rewatch. I'll rewatch. Yeah. But, but that's my memory of it. Yeah. 
which is fair. It's fair. Compared to this. Compared to this. This is a hot movie, Greg. (laughs) (laughs) It brings the heat. Fuck, it's good. It's good. It's worth your three hours, people. A couple other things before I forget. The loudness we talked about but also the loudness of guns with little to no music being played at the same time. So I think that adds to the brutality of all yeah, of it. Yeah, it pulls you into the scene for sure. There's there's no sets. This is all L.A., baby. There's one weird yeah, green right. screen moment. But apparently, I learned this watching this interview as well, is that one when they're on the Hollywood Hills when it's De Niro and the girl and it looks a bit funny. They look like they're in a... Ah, uh, yep, yep, yep. The reason they did that is because in those days they didn't have digital, so they're shooting on film and you can't pick up the city lights and have them lit up in the right way and have both in the same shot. Makes sense. And he wanted those lights so bad that they shot the city lights separately with a lower frame rate to increase the exposure to get more light and then did green screen. But they were on the same location and they did green screen and then um, Merge. what do they call it, Com- composited it in yeah. after. So it was like it, it was technically a green screen thing but – but they weren't on a set. <laughs> they just did it for that very specific thing he had in his head. Interesting. It's fascinating because there was a lot of those kinds of shots of showing the city kind of blurred out and mm. all the lights mm. and, yeah, yeah. I guess that's a vibe he was going for. Um, but I respect that. Everything here is so deliberate. Everything is a choice. So even something as weird as that that seemed like it might be like, Oh, I guess they had to do one thing on a set or something. No, there was a reason for that. There's a yeah. choice. So much attention to detail. Respect. What are your thoughts on – so I made a comment at the end about it being a love story. Oh, yeah, they hold hands at the end. Between men and yeah. – well, no, I didn't mean between the <laughs> men. I meant men and their things. The The role of women in this film, if you look at the, the three main women in this. Yeah. Um, you've got Pacino's – Wife slash ex-wife, you know, wife yeah. of the rocks. You've got Ashley Judd and you've got, what's the other actress's name? Do you know? Amy Brenneman. Yeah, Mel Brenneman. It's an interesting, they've all got like, they've all got these wild partners both on both sides of the law. Yeah. Varying levels of volatility, etc. Yeah. And they're kind of, well, second fiddle to the lives of these guys that are trying to live. Well, it's funny because it's like, because on the one hand, you look at things like Bechdel test and this doesn't pass. But then it's like, is that almost the point that each of these guys, they have these love, like awesome women in their lives and they're fucking it up. Yeah. That they're not letting these women be fully fledged characters in their lives. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's interesting. It's the, it is the point. Yeah, yeah, I think it is the point, right? Yeah. Not to like, you know, give away free passes for Bechtel. That's not really – we don't have jurisdiction on that one. But yeah. I do think it – yeah. It is the point. They're not saying these guys are awesome and those chicks are losers. It's kind of the opposite. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the the male condition of – Idiots. Yeah, the idiots condition. Like, no, I've I, I got to go and fucking finish that thing. Yeah. I'll be back later. The beep is going off. He's in yeah. hospital after he's – you know, his yeah, after so she's killed her, tried, tried to, kill to kill herself. herself. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. Should we get into verdict? I think we should. All right. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. 
I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. More and more I like this movie, Greg, even since we've been talking about it. It yeah. might be creeping into top ten. I think I've got to wait a little because, you know, sometimes yeah. you get emotional about these things. But, man, fuck. Again, it may be also just a fresh voice in my head because I haven't, I'm haven't. i not a big Michael Manman. It's just a fucking good movie. Yeah. With it's so good. many good performances. The dialogue is ah, it's great. Good. It's complex. I'm, I'm genuine. So not only is this a rewatch, I'm like – Genuinely looking forward to watching it again very yeah, soon. Yeah, I want to watch it again soon. Yeah. If this this kind of movie, if, if they're showing it somewhere, I'm going to go watch it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. Yeah, I watch. Like, it's a strong rewatch. It's a four out of five star movie. Maybe even four and a half. Yeah, I think four I'm going and four and a half. half. I'd go four and a half, almost five. What have I given five to? I don't know. I don't know. It's up Maybe there. it's a five star. I don't it's know. Up there. I love it. I freaking love this I can't think anything wrong with it because, again, all those little things that I, at the time, I'm like, is this an issue with the movie? And then I drill down on it. I'm like, no, it's not. I think that's the point of the movie. Yeah. Um, There's so many things like that. And you clever bastard, Michael. It's pretty perfect for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But did Simpsons do it? I couldn't find it. I had had a look. I don't think so. Porn parody. No. Didn't look. Bechdel test. No. We just covered that. FX test. Yeah. Saving the green screen bit. Good, good effects. Um, so it's interesting. It is interesting because you know our our cultural relevancy tests there that we just went through. They're they're a little bit uh, arbitrary, but I think there's some truth to them. And I think, of course, I think this movie is a little bit under the radar. I know it's considered a classic, but you don't hear it talked about that much. I think it's probably skews. Is it because there's not a point parody? more to it? <laughs> And it's not in The Simpsons. I reckon yeah. it's more less of a bro movie than it probably has a reputation for. Yeah, does it? Is it? Yeah, it might be because yeah, people might dismiss it in the same way that some people dismiss Tupac. Yeah, you know, if if, if someone asks me who my favorite rapper is and say Tupac, they go, "Oh, that guy." Like, no, no, no. But have you actually listened? Mm. I think it might have a bit of that. It's a bit of yeah. Oh, that's just some bro. Oh, movie. it's got yeah, it's Cops a bro. And robbers, bro and movie. De Niro and Pacino. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably more, right. There's a lot more going on. Yeah, I agree with that. Very astute on your part. Yeah, I'll press the button for good measure. It's very astute. Yeah, thank you. I thought about recasties a little bit. Did you? And only you, where'd you land? They're still too old because time has passed. But but I I, I like the idea of promoting Fickner to to one of the leads oh, yeah. as Pacino. Oh yeah. And then maybe Russell Crowe as De Niro. But again, maybe this would have to be maybe ten years ago because oh. they're both in their sixties now. Are they? I think so, yeah. Fickner's like 68. He looks good. Wow. Fickner, man. He's when are f- we going to start the Fickner cast? I think I've got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's line up a movie. Has he got a Christmas movie? Probably. Go. Go is a Christmas movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking so good at that, man. Confederate products. <laughs> It's so good. Uh, My MVP is Ashley Judd. I don't mean that just to be different, but she's so – a few factors. De Niro and Pacino, they're good. They're going to be MVPs in many movies, whatever. 
And and fuck, Val Kilmer was close too. I feel like we didn't talk about him enough, but yeah, we'll talk about him more another time. He's a special human. He is. And uh, but Judd having such a poignant moment in the film, so well executed, and essentially her first film. Those yeah. three factors to me was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm giving that MVP status. I respect that. Yeah, you could say maybe it's low key VP, but I don't know. It, she was it electric. Hit it hit you me. You know, her character was electric. Yeah. Her performance. Got a great ass. Yeah. Well. He, you notice he, he, you look at his mouth, he's about to say big ass, I think. She's got a great ass. Great ass. <laughs> it's interesting. It's a bit improv. I didn't have a, it was, it was confirming. It was improv and he shouted it and it, and he goes, and Hagen Kazaria said, the reason I look scared and surprised <laughs> when he did that was because I didn't know he was going to do it and it scared me. <laughs> the reason I look scared is I was scared. He's <laughs> a weird, I volatile. He was playing a cocaine addicted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I think you were getting it like this is the kind of movie where it's, how do you even choose an MVP? I didn't. Really? I actually didn't choose one. You call can kind call of point me lazy. Call no, me lazy. Well, I think my judd is equally as lazy because really you could point at anyone. You gave in me this three movie. valid reasons. That's not lazy. That's true. I I, I rationalized it, you but did. but you could point at almost anyone. My in this MVP movie. was the shitty Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> my earphones fell off. <laughs> <laughs> my MVP was Christopher <laughs> Nolan's take. <laughs> On the film. <laughs> Damn it, Nolan, you've done it again. Nolan. Have I? Has <laughs> uh, he got a new movie coming out? Uh, I think it's in the works. He's still casting every name. He's in the casted, book. yeah. Um, he's he, got. Um, he's my Neil McCauley. He's, uh, we're two sides of the same coin, me and that guy. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes me Pacino, I guess. Ah, okay. I can't think of any of his lines. I was re-watching all the Pacino quotes earlier and I, I, they're, not, they're not ingrained in my brain as much as some of the other movies yeah. we cover. Um, what are we doing next week? Oh, Gremlins 2. Oh. I'm looking forward to this. Me too. What is it on? It's is on it on a streamer? Yeah. Oh, I might even watch it tonight. Oh, fuck. I hope it's still. See you next week, people. See you next week. Leave a review. Leave a review. Heat is on uh, net, Netty if you're in Australia, so get around it. It's a, it's a, it's a worthy three hours of your life. Absolutely. Eat, eat some popcorn. I went to the movies this week. Oh, yeah. I went to the movies this week, last night. The Many Saints. The Many Saints of Newark for you Sopranos fans. I really enjoyed it. Others did not, interestingly. It's a polarising film, it seems. Yeah. Looks pretty good to me. I enjoyed it. There's an Easter egg in there for friends of the show. Enjoy. (laughs) All right, folks. Bye. Bye. Bye.